I'd like to start by asking you uh, where you think we are in the uh, the market cycle. I think that the bull market's pretty long in the tooth. Um, it's, you know, it's potentially one of the longest in history. I'm, I'm very concerned about the lack of growth in, in the world generally. There's a profound lack of demand. Um, and I also find it very worrying that central banks feel as if they're all in. They've used a lot of their ammunition already. So if there is another recession, we're very exposed. Uh, having said that, I, I'm comforted that at last there has been a correction, and quite a decent correction in most developed markets. We've had a sort of 20% odd correction. Um, and I also think that objectively, um, conditions for equities are, you know, at least theoretically, that they're, they're pretty good. You know, you've got low growth, moderate growth, and you've got very cheap money. And money will remain cheap for a long time. So, And I'm very conscious that the yields equity or equities offer are still very attractive compared with, with most other asset classes. You know, dividend cover is stretched in, as a headline number, but underneath it all, there are plenty of companies generating 3 or 4% dividends um, and that are very sensibly priced and are very sustainable. Um, so the short and long of it for me is I think the... Um, there are, the risk of being out of the market is probably slightly higher than the risk of being in it. Um, but my biggest concern is growth, um, and uh, there's clearly pressure there. Um, so what we're trying to do is to emphasise quality in, in what we buy. Do you think, just on the general picture, do you think uh, what would actually make you change your mind about uh, the current situation? In other words, either against equities as, as the best of a bad, uh, best of a, of a poor lot at the moment, or possibly a complete change in environment if, for example, the Fed does start raising interest rates and so on. Would that, would that have an impact on it? Well, I, I think if the Fed raises interest rates for the right reasons, then that will mean that the growth side of the equation has improved. Um, so I, would, I wouldn't regard that as terrible news, as long as it doesn't raise them massively. Um, but if it, if it does what's as if it behaves as it's been advertising, I think it's relatively positive. Uh, so I'm not overly worried about the Fed. My biggest concern is recession. If there's recession, then suddenly the earnings part of the equation falls apart. Potentially the dividend part of the equation comes under pressure as well. So to me, recession is the main risk. And there the clearly are significant challenges for most businesses at the moment. And the biggest is that there's just a lack of demand. Normally, in the last 20, 30 years, or probably forever, it's quite easy to point somewhere in the globe, or at least point at some sectors and say, well, they're doing really, really well. At the moment, it's hard to see quite where that is. Um, so that's my biggest concern. So uh, recession will be a game changer. So uh, you don't think, for example, that the we will finally get, a, say, a dividend from the oil price fall that we've seen, and that will come through and may help a little bit in growth, which we haven't seen so far. It's been disguised by the, by the, by the environment in which it's happened. To begin with, I thought there'd be a huge benefit in consumer spending. You know, I read a number somewhere that $30 oil meant a $3 trillion transfer from oil producers to consumers, one way or the other. That's a big number. And if, I think if that were a straightforward number, we'd have seen it already. So I, I don't believe we're going to get it now. Sure, it's helpful to corporates that energy's cheap, uh, and, and it's still cheap. Um, but I, I think the oil equation is much more nuanced. So my view is that you know, yes, it's good news for lots of people, but there's a bad news side of side of it too. So in America, you know, fracking expenditure was a massive part of GDP growth, and that's gone in reverse. 
And I think that's taken a lot of the benefit away in the States. In the UK, obviously, the North Sea has pretty well fallen apart. It's not a huge part of the economy, so I'm surprised we haven't seen more benefit here. But equally, I don't, I don't expect it now. I, I think if it was, I think if it was going to happen, it would happen already. Okay, so against this backdrop, turning to what you actually do, which is your obviously you pick uh, largely equity portfolios. Yeah. You're looking for companies that are that are profitable and can grow that profitability. Um, unfortunately, you don't have to buy the whole market. You can you can be very selective. Yeah. Are you finding a lot of opportunities, first of all, at the moment? Not a lot, but enough. Um, and I think that's the, the, the key test for us of a market. As long as you can find the occasional new name, you should be quite happy. It's, it's challenging, but there are enough companies out there to, to meet our criteria to make me reasonably happy about things. And do these tend to be um, very small companies or mid, mid-cap, small-cap? What um, sort of uh, well, the market are you finding those opportunities? I would say that the larger the better, in a sense, it's always easier when they're big. The problem we found recently is that when you do find a company growing even at mid-single-digit percentages, you know, 6 7 8%, they're typically you know, the, the compasses of this world, the bonzers of this world. They're great businesses, but they're all on 20-plus times earnings. And to me, that's it's a lot to pay for that level of growth. Um, so we're typically... And this has been the case for a little while. We're finding many more opportunities amongst smaller, often more niche businesses and that are you know, lower down the scale. Can you give me a couple of examples of things you bought yeah, recently or yeah, been topping sure. up recently? Sure. Well, I, I, we like there's a company called WYG, which is a consultancy business, um, sort of project management type business, which um, very well managed, you know, excellent, um, great delivery and all the sort of key metrics they've, they've set. Um, it's got great visibility at the moment, great great order book, um, lots of momentum in its core markets, and um, it's trading on nine, just under nine and a half times earnings with good growth, a good balance sheet. And what we like as well is that management um, are, are guiding to a number for, for February 2018, which is around a third higher than market forecasts. And given their propensity to, to, to exceed forecast, I find that, I think, I think that the higher numbers are credible. So, You've got a very low rating in that business. It's got good momentum, and it's and it's got pretty good visibility. So, what just remind what kind of uh, uh, P ratio is it on? So it's, it's on nine, nine, just under nine and a half at the moment. Yeah, that's on the on the of broker the, forecast rather than on the management. That's perspective. That, yeah, yeah, that's for the for the yeah broker forecast dropping to closer to eight, but and the eight could be a lot lower than that, assuming um, management um, hit their uh, hit their higher number. Okay, another example. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, STV as a, a Scottish television as a, as, a, as another yeah. stock you've been buying. I, I think STV is very, very unpopular these days. Well, t- television generally is very unpopular. Um, and I think unfairly. I think in the UK there's been some concern about spending being deferred, you know, advertising spending being deferred because of the EU referendum. There had been a hope that the second quarter would be a blowout quarter um, because of some of the programming they have. Perhaps it won't be now. It may be a bit disappointing, but... And the other issue has been that um, the US uh, media companies have been derated a lot in the last nine months. But I think TV is underestimated because it's still the only way of hitting a mass audience. I love the fact that, the, that some of the big tech, U, US tech giants are actually have, amongst the big spenders on ITV. Google, they see, Netflix. Yeah, those guys, all those yeah. guys, they, they see the benefits of, um, of um, television advertising. And um, they're very cash-generative businesses. So in the case of STV... Yeah, that's trading on a P just under nine, 
It has some debt, but that's come down a lot, and um, they're very cash generative. The main wrinkle is that there is a pension deficit. It's not an ideal situation to have a, have a deficit, but they, they manage it very effectively. They're very canny about how they manage it. And, um, you know, they're, they're growing around 10% per annum. It's a level at which management incentives kick in, so there's a high level of incentive to, to, to grow at that rate. And there are a lot of good things happening in the business. Their, their digital offerings, which are very high margin, are growing nice very quickly, actually. They've also have, they have a production arm, which is doing quite well. Um, so this, this, it's a nice, interesting business, very well managed on a, on a very low rating. So someone might come and take it over. Well, that, well, ITV did just buy Ulster TV. So STV is the only ITV, ITV affiliate that's left as an as a, you know, independent entity. There's always a chance of that, but... You know, given the political sensitivities of Scotland, I wouldn't bank on that. But but another big driver, which is, um, I think, <clears throat> very important, is the changing um, framework around the BBC and about the way in which media generally is governed in the UK. And we'll hear on that, I think it's the end of the second quarter, we're going to hear more on that from the government. The At some point, I believe, um, the retransmission fees will be charged, whereby... At the moment, the ITV network cannot charge for its main channels being shown on Sky and Virgin and, and, and those sorts of companies, um, which is unfair. Yeah, normally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the world we're in, the, the legislation was drafted, I think, in the 1920s. It, it, it's all little, maybe not that, but a long time ago anyway. It's, it's very out of date. Um, and I think it will be updated. STV is the most geared company to benefit. It's the most, if, if, if there's a, it could benefit. I mean, the biggest number I've seen in the event that they can charge £1 per month per subscriber, there's something like a 70% benefit to earnings. But that's huge for business on a, on a sub-9 multiple. Um, more likely, it'll be much more complicated. There'll be some benefit. They'll probably have to promise to put more money into programming and all the rest of it. So it, there won't be a straightforward lump of, you know, increase in earnings coming their way. But there will be a benefit, I think. And that's fairly soon. So it's, it's a nice additional driver. Uh, on top of everything else. Have you thought about buying ITV itself? Or you I, I own ITV. You? Um, and I, I have bought a few of those recently. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's come again, off quite a long way. It's come yeah. off quite a bit. And I think that's, you know, all the same reasons for STV apply to ITV. The rating's a bit higher, but it's cash generation. It's a, it's a, it's a bigger, more robust business and uh, um, with, a, with a better balance sheet. Um, and you've also got the corporate angle with ITV that, that does um, Liberty have a 10% holding. Um, which you know could easily be increased. You know, it's a it's a, it's a strategic asset for somebody. In addition to the fact that it's growing nicely, it's not about twelve times earnings, which isn't expensive for for a, for a cash generative business. It just it just paid on uh, last week on uh, when was it? Was it, well, it was sort of mid April? I forget the exact date. Um, it paid um, a six percent dividend in one day. That included a special, but it, but it, it just shows that you know. There's the potential a, in there. Yeah. There's life in the old dog yet. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about one. Uh, give me an example of a technology company because that's an area where you also uh, invest, um, but very selectively, and it's a, it's a big trap for lots of people because technology companies always look exciting and often turn out to be very disappointing. No, ab- no absolutely. I mean, we, we only invest in businesses that make money and have a track record of profitability, so that rules out a lot of the whiz bang sort of stuff. Um, it tends to be more bang than, than whiz, <laughs> um, but. Uh, so, um, but you know, we own, for instance, one of our very long-standing holdings is a company called NCC, which is the leading IT security business in Europe. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, we've bought more of those quite recently because they came down a bit lately. 
Um, they, they were dragged down by quite a big derating in the IT security space in the US, which got very frothy a while back. Um, but NCC has never really been frothy. Um, today it's trading on about 21 times earnings, which is, you could argue, high-ish, but it's growing at 15% plus. Um, and what we like is there's a wonderful tailwind. You know, in, in a world where growth is uncertain, this is an industry which has literally a free advert every single day of the week where someone somewhere is being hacked. Um, you know, it's become a priority area for all businesses. They have to deal with it. And it, and it's not going to go away. You know, it's, it's, it's like healthcare. You have to maintain health. You have to maintain you know, in, um, online security as well. So They've got the best market position. So they're, they're dominant in the UK and Europe. They're the biggest employer of sort of top-end um, IT people. I mean, they're very high. They're, 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 their UK office is in Cheltenham, basically opposite GCHQ. Yeah. A lot of their people come from GCHQ. Um, they're um, so it's a it's a well managed business. We've owned them for many many years, and they've delivered very nicely. So uh, we like it. And that's on, but well, that's on a quite a high rating, twenty one. Quite times. a high rate rating, but with fifteen percent plus growth, you know, margin these days, and, yeah, pretty good pretty and good. Uh, strategically very well placed. Um, so I think they're they're, they're they're set fair for quite a long time. Okay, last question, Mark. You've been uh, involved recently in a in a rather high profile uh, corporate governance case, which is Taught you uh, some interesting lessons, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've won that case. You've managed to uh, um, to uh, to uh, win a vote against the uh, uh, the board of the Lake House Group, yeah. um, without going into all the tedious details of that. But uh, does that uh, tell us good things or bad things about the way that companies are governed in this country? Well, I have to say, I found it. Uh, I, I, I'm fairly depressed about governance generally, um, and I think it's. It's it, it's brought home to me how important it is to be invested in businesses where you haven't got those issues. You know, governance becomes relevant when there's a problem. Becomes relevant when there's a problem. If there's no problem, it doesn't. It, you don't have to worry about it. So the most important thing is to be in businesses which don't have problems. That's the first lesson to me. The second lesson is when there is a problem, governance matters, and I think that's where I'm depressed. So you know, on remuneration, the the companies that seem to be that, that offend are typically are serial offenders. Nothing changes. Um, I think the in the case of Lake House, my view is we should never have got to the point where an EGM was necessary, and there should have been an accommodation which we weren't able to reach. And the company, in our view, never had a winning scenario. They couldn't win. You know, that they because even if a board gets a fifty-two percent vote. And you've, got, you've still got a 48% block against you, which means you can't issue shares, potentially. You, you know, there's a tank on the law. You have, to, you have to engage. You have to deal. It doesn't mean you have to roll over completely, but you have to deal. In this instance, we believe the company never had a winning scenario, and for reasons we don't understand, and for reasons which the directors have not been able to explain to me, it seems a, it's a complete mystery, it seems to everybody, why, the, why it was fought to the wire. And... To me, it's it's very sad. Um, I think what it also brought home to me how hard it is to affect change. You know, calling EGM and actually managing the process. You're up against a company which I think in this case, in the case of Lakehouse, hired two proxy agents, PR, you know, and it was a full time effort on behalf, on behalf of the business. It wasn't our full time job, so you know, it was a huge effort to have to keep on top of that and, and, and push it through. And most shareholders are simply not prepared to put that effort in. So 
I guess the short and long of it is the depressing side of it to me. Well, the reasons I'm depressed by corporate governance are one, on remuneration, and two, on general governance, like EGMs. Most directors, most non-executives, aren't prepared to be tough and put the nervous energy in that's required to do the right thing, for instance, remuneration or whatever. And second, most shareholders aren't either, because it's really hard. And, and given how hard it is, I don't see... I think a lot of a lot of aspects of shareholder democracy are, are very weak, and so therefore, as a as an investor, you're you're, you're led back to the conclusion you really have to study management very carefully before you get involved, basically, yeah, because you, you don't to, want to get involved in yeah. situations if you can possibly yeah. avoid it. Avoid the problems, yeah. yeah. Which, which I kind of I, I kind of knew that before, but but I, I know it a bit better now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that note, Mark, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. Pleasure. Pleasure.